0: Culture Map presents. What's, What's Eric, Eric eating? eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas. Here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler.
1: Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at Houston's bar and restaurant scene. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. We have Benji Levitt and Dylan Murray from. Local Foods and Benji's and that whole world uh, coming a little coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by Mary Clarkson, the owner of La Olivier Restaurant in Montrose. Mary, welcome back to the show. How are you?
2: I'm great, Eric. Good to see you. Happy New Year.
1: Thank you. Thanks for coming. Uh, we have quite a bit to discuss uh, for our News of the Week. Uh, no bigger news than the word that Common Bond, the very popular bakery and cafe, in Montrose is expanding. They have signed a lease to come to the Heights Waterworks Development, uh, Braun Enterprises project on Nineteenth Street. You know, I'll say I feel like there was a period of time after uh, Johnny Caraba bought it, the common bonds slipped a little bit. Um, that the the pastries weren't quite what they were supposed to be, um, but I feel like they've kind of got their hands around it now. I've been in recently. The croissants are back to their, like, super tall, super flaky, original quality that uh, that they've expanded uh, their hours. So they serve dinner now. They've expanded the menu so you can actually get a cake, which doesn't seem like it should be a very difficult thing at a bakery. But that was not uh, part of the common bond experience in the beginning. And they don't really run out of things anymore. All good things. Uh, Mary, what are you... You're a... Uh, the owner of a French restaurant, so you have a certain affection for French pastries. How do you feel about Common Bond these days?
2: I'm loving what Johnny Caraba is doing. Um, I had macaroons from Common Bond last week, and they, for me right now, are probably the best macaroons in the city. Uh, I gifted a unicorn birthday cake um, to a friend a couple months ago, and it was delicious. Uh, and, you know, everybody loves their pastries as a whole. Their bread... Their baguettes, one of the best in town. I'd put them up with Central Market. Um, my people like my mother's age love their pastries and their croissants. Every time I see my mom on a Saturday or Sunday, she's got a box of them just hanging around. So um, I think they're doing really, really well and expanded hours for dinner service. When I drive by there at six, seven, eight o'clock, they're pretty full.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a very intriguing mix of savory items. I mean, some sort of classic sort of French stuff. Uh, the burger looks good. I haven't been in to try any of it. Have you? Have you? I've
2: had the burger. So I, I dined there at lunch when they were doing Houston Restaurant Week slash month. And they had three courses for 20 bucks, I think. But I had their spaghetti carbonara one day and their burger. And both were really solid.
1: And then I'm excited. I think this is going to be a good fit for the Heights. I think that that Waterworks project is is really interesting. They've already signed Hopdotty. Uh, also announced last week that Ripe Cuisine, the very popular vegan food truck, uh, is coming to that development. I think this is this is a big win for Dan the Heights Braun in general. Dan Braun has got to be a happy camper right Dan now. Dan Braun is a very happy camper. <laughs> Dan Braun Dan Braun told me in an email that he has so much admiration for. Johnny Caraba is a restaurateur that they recommend that future tenants of theirs, like, meet with him to learn how to better operate a restaurant.
2: Listen, Johnny and his wife came into my restaurant. He's good family friends with my mother, and uh, he came into my restaurant when after we first opened. And, you know, there's nothing like having him in the building and, and looking to him as a mentor. Nobody does what, what he does in this town as well as he does. I mean, he is... He is the godfather for me of Italian uh, cuisine in this town and, and just a world-class operator.
1: Yeah, Houston restaurant royalty at this point. And I think they've been really smart about this. He's owned uh, Common Bond for about two years now. They've kind of been biding their time, and really it's going to be like another year or so before Common Bond opens. So oh. plenty of time to refine systems, train a staff, Get ready be, to roll.
2: I wouldn't be surprised if Common Bond starts to spread out beyond Houston eventually. I mean, it's it's a really good concept, and he's done so much um, that I don't know the average person can see, but operationally to make it uh, a restaurant that is a real restaurant, not just a bakery. He's cleaned up how the lines work, how the menus uh, look with the— Uh, television screens and whatnot, and they don't run out of pastries anymore at three in the afternoon. So he's, you know, you can actually go there at five and know that they'll still have pastries. He's doing a really good job from an operations standpoint.
1: I like that the very first thing he did was lease additional parking. That was always the biggest problem uh, for common bond. (laughs) And it was, it was such a simple fix. It's like, well, we'll just, you know, there's that, there's that lot like a half a block away.
2: Money does solve problems.
1: Yes, it does. (laughs) Noted. So big news for the Heights. Um, this, did, this did come at a, a small price, uh, probably one that most Houstonians are willing to pay, but uh, Ascension Coffee from Dallas had been slated for the waterworks development, is out on that project. Uh, I need to contact the Ascension people and find out if they're out on Houston entirely or just not coming to the waterworks. But uh, that is a place that my Culture Map Dallas colleagues are super excited about. Um, so a little bit of a loss. It was something I was looking forward to, but uh, definitely a Common Bond fan and definitely excited about what this means for uh, that business and for the Heights.
2: Blacksmith and Southside are my coffee places, so I'm not going to miss them. (laughs) Fair
1: enough. Uh, Moving on, uh, another uh, hashtag CultureMap exclusive, news that Felix Flores, the owner of Black Hill Meats and a partner in both Ritual, the uh, casual steakhouse in the Heights, and the upcoming uh, Blood Brothers Barbecue Brick and Mortar in Bel Air uh, is going to have another project uh, because apparently he wasn't busy enough. He's going to open a uh, wood-burning steakhouse concept at the Bravery Chef Hall called the uh, Cherry Block Craft Butcher and Seasonal Kitchen. Um, I will say I, I'm intrigued by all these new food halls that are coming downtown. There's, we already have the conservatory. There are three more that have been announced Uh, Bravery Chef Hall is one of them. Uh, I think these concepts are going to kind of live and die on who they sign up. And so to bring in a name like Felix Flores and to bring in something that, frankly, is as as compelling as watching chefs work a wood-burning oven and grill right in front of you uh, is definitely the kind of high-profile difference maker that's a draw.
2: It seems like one of the more obviously high end concepts to go in a food hall. So I will be curious how a steakhouse concept is received.
1: You know, one of my favorite Houston dining experiences uh, is going to state of grace and sitting at their counter in front of their hearth, right? Watching the chefs do the cooking in front of you.
2: I've never done that. I'm always in the oyster bar
1: so this is this is a more expensive experience obviously well depending on depending on what kind of champagne you're drinking, I suppose, in the oyster bar mm. knowing you uh <laughs> knowing you so it'll be about the same price as what you're already paying in the oyster bar uh but it's really fun to watch the chefs you know throw in another log on the fire, work the different pans on the hearth, like check their doneness, all that kind of stuff. It's very interactive so Recreating that experience on a slightly larger scale at the Bravery Chef Hall is something I'm I'm really excited about, and if you're a resident of the apartment building that Bravery Chef Hall is in, uh, this will have an, an additional value in the sense that you'll be able to get the the retail meat to go, and you'll get advice from the chef about, you know, I recommend you cook it this way. I think that's that's interesting.
2: Will he? Come to your apartment or condo and cook it for you is the real question.
1: Well, no, you can stay downstairs at the <laughs> chef hall and he'll cook it for you. You want to cook it yourself? You got to you, know, you want it? You want it cooked in your apartment? Uh, that's a, either an additional fee or you got to you got to do it yourself. Fair enough. But I, I think my my bigger point is that as these food halls kind of build out, right? Like, very curious to see what um, Clark Cooper Concepts does with Lyric Market. That. You know, you need some names to be a draw.
2: You need some names to be a draw. And with the several, three or four that are opening, I am a little scared about um, competition amongst them. Each one of these concepts is going to have to brand themselves and differentiate themselves. If they don't, um, I think there will be too many choices. That's kind of my personal personal perspective.
1: I'm waiting for, uh, so no... Uh Olivier fried chicken stand at an upcoming food hall?
2: Not (laughs) going (laughs) to happen.
1: And now, Mary, I want you to put your attorney hat on. Mm, Okay. Last week, uh, I talked about the news that Brian and Jennifer Caswell are no longer affiliated with Oxbow 7 at the La Meridian Hotel, the company that owns the hotel. uh, Sent them an email that it was, quote, releasing them from their contract to operate the Food and beverage concession. Uh, when I talked to Brian and Jennifer, they sounded like they were considering filing a lawsuit uh, for the money that they th- they believe they are owed in this. They, uh, they think that potentially the hotel negotiated with them in bad faith and that the hotel violated its contract. So as an attorney... <laughs> oh, man, Eric, thank you. <laughs> what are the conditions under which you would say to them, I think you have a case. I think we should go forward.
2: So a little bit about my background. I am a real estate attorney. I advise several restaurants uh, inside the loop here in the city uh, on matters related to their leases, to general contracts, corporate entity formation, HR issues, all that kind of stuff. Typically, uh, I I am not a plaintiff's attorney, but if I were a plaintiff's attorney looking at this, obviously they'd have to review the contract, but from the way that they're speaking in general it sounds like they probably have a, a really good case. Um, if there was a breach of, of contract on the hotel's part, and it looks like from the article I read from you that uh, the hotel terminated a previous restaurant in a different city for one of their other concepts. Um, if they have a track record of this and they didn't give them the ability to perform uh, what was required in their contract, they have a very good case. And the bottom line is Brian Keswell is, is a celebrated chef here in Houston. He has done a lot for the city. And if this were going to go to a jury trial, it would be much more favorable for him than a Memphis, Tennessee uh, hotel Operator, um, his goodwill, his reputation—I think there is. I think he has a very good cause for damage to reputation. Uh, he certainly wanted to stick with his contract from everything that we've heard, um, and and stand by it. So I think he has a really good case here. Um, these types of things usually work their way out before they go to trial. And if I were the hotel, I would want to settle this as quickly as possible.
1: So you're saying just without knowing the, the details of the contractor, the specific facts related to the case that you would rather represent the chef who's known for wearing an Astros hat <laughs> and fed thousands of people after the hurricane than the evil corporation from out of town oh, that may or may not have screwed him Oh my God,
2: over. this is catnip for a plaintiff's attorney that wants to go to bat for mm-hmm. somebody like Brian. And I'm sure there are dozens of attorneys in town who would want to stand by him and represent him. I, not knowing all the details of the case, I mean, Brian's a stand-up guy. He is somebody who would want to abide by the terms of his contract. And, you know, I guess we'll see it play out, or or maybe it'll get resolved before then. But I, I'm, I'm absolutely positive he wanted to see Oxbow through and through. I mean, we did a menu takedown there when it first opened, and all of us were blown away by the cuisine. And it was one of our favorite restaurants of the year. So it's not for lack of it uh, being a well-executed concept.
1: Right. No, I, I agree with you. And this is definitely something that, uh, I will keep following to see how it plays out, but, but it does feel like it's probably headed to, uh, at least filing a lawsuit, if not actually getting
2: its day in court. Absolutely.
1: All right. And then, uh, so we'll swap your uh, attorney hat for your uh, French owning restaurateur (laughs) hat. Um, I just, I, I want to sort of put it to you like this. Uh, Paper City had a report that Zim's, the Montrose uh, Martini Bar, is going to be replaced by uh, a nightclub called Victor that has French ownership. Mm. Uh, that same restaurant group uh, has also uh, bought out the lease at Café Azor. Um, really, Mary, I, I just want to throw it to you like this. You're in the, the world of Houston French restaurants. Mm-hmm. Uh what sort of gossip are you hearing about these guys, and and what are you hearing about, you know, the prospects for uh, a French-inspired nightclub in the heart of Montrose?
2: Oh my gosh, nightclubs are so not my forte. I think I'm too old for this at thirty-five. Um, I know they're out of town operators, so I don't. I, I feel like they're going to need to have a large hiring presence of of known Houston people. I don't know what bartenders, perhaps or chefs they're partnering with. Um, I think that would be a, a really big component for them if they bring in some respected local talent. Uh, Zim's is a great geographical location. It was time for a redo. Um, I think, you know, I think it could be a hip spot. I think nightlife um, clubs, bars, whatnot, I mean, they they typically go through changes very, very often. So I don't know what they timeline is for this are they going to have it as this concept for two years and then change it or they think that this is going to have uh legs and longevity i'm not sure but i'll be interested to see it and i love mantras and i love french so i'm looking forward to seeing uh what they're going to do
1: right we keep waiting for this wave of sort of this new interest in in french cooking that's kind of hit both coasts uh to come to houston so maybe this is the, the latest sign uh, certainly recent openings like Lucienne and Maison Pouche yeah. suggest that there are operators who think that there's potential for more French food in Houston. And, and we'll see if this is like another I think, sign of that.
2: I think they need to listen to what the trends are in France right now, at least in Paris and in New York. Um, kind of a term that's being used are neo-bistros uh contemporary takes on classic French dishes. That's what's trending, trending right now, all natural wines. Uh, I don't know what their cocktail program is going to look like, but if they're taking their cues from what's current in New York and Paris right now, it usually takes a little while for it to trickle down. And if they're some of the first people to present uh, that take on that, I think it'll bode well for them.
1: All right. And then my one final item is the good news for uh, Papa Charlie's, a, a barbecue joint that I've always enjoyed. Uh, back from the days when uh, the owner and pitmaster West Gireno was set up at uh, the bar that was then called jackson 's watering Hall watering hole and is now uh, the patio on Richmond uh, West was in Edo for a couple of years it didn 't work out he closed that uh, but he has a new uh, he 's found a new home in Cyprus and uh, i'm just i'm excited for him i 'm excited for uh, the people who live out in that part of Houston they don 't have uh, very many uh, barbecue options out there. I mean, they've got, you know, West Notes. They've got, like, a, they've got Good Company. And, of course, they have uh, they have a Rudy's out there, but not much beyond that. And so, uh, you know, a little smaller, a little more craft, a little more unusual. Uh, and the venue is this kind of retro, like, 30s, 40s-era house with a big backyard, a little bit of a Salt Lake vibe. Um, exciting times for Papa Charlie's and something that will... Merit-watching going forward. Uh, That does it for the News of the Week, and we'll be right back with our Restaurants of the Week. Stick around. You're
0: listening to What's Eric Eating?
1: So, Mary, for our uh, Restaurants of the Week, uh, we have two that I want to talk about briefly. The first is Holman Draft Hall. Admittedly, more bar than restaurant. Uh, The latest project from the Kirby Group, the owners of... Wooster's Garden in Midtown and Heights Beer Garden, in the Heights, uh, we tasted through quite a bit of. So let me lay out the concept. Uh, it's an all draft uh, beer wine mostly concept. Uh, hundred taps, about thirty of them are wine. The rest are beer and similar beverages. Cider. Uh, there's a root beer tap, which I like, and very simple cocktails. Uh, no shaking, just basic highballs. Uh, and Spirits on the Rocks are straight up. Uh, Brandon Silva, the chef, has created, uh, well, mostly, I would say, Asian-inspired riffs on bar food. Uh, We ate through quite a bit of things. We had wings. We had nachos. We had uh, a burrata salad, uh, a couple other options. Mary, what did you think of our Holman experience?
2: I liked it. It, um, It's a little different than Heights Spear Garden, just the aesthetics of it. It feels like Midtown. I think they know their demographic. These guys are very smart operators. Um, the building's beautiful. I liked the beer. We had tried a few different beers last night. The food was good. They've got their bar, you know, kind of bar pub food uh, menu down pretty solidly. The only thing I thought about the food last night, if I if I were going to say anything um, that detracted a little bit. I thought the wings should have been sauced.
1: Yeah. So the wings come fried and then with a side of sauce, which is not nearly as satisfying a way to eat them as if they were tossed in the sauce and presented to you directly. Um, but I thought those composed nachos that we had with the Korean Stellar. beef were really excellent. Uh, the tacos, that fried bao with the, uh, that was my favorite, the Korean beef and it was mm-hmm. really good. And, uh, I mean, the burrata was like a really generous portion for
2: yeah,
1: eight bucks, ten bucks, something like that. Um, I think they're really onto something there. And you know, we talked about the short life of nightclubs in the the news segment. Uh, this had been Versailles, and it is completely unrecognizable. <laughs> uh, the walls have been moved out. There's there's uh, the kind of glass and and steel industrial. look. That's, yeah, very industrial, uh, very elegant. Uh, huge covered patio.
2: Indoor, outdoor space. They yep. can keep it all open if it's good weather, which Welcome to Houston, it's usually not. But last night it was beautiful. You know, yeah. they've they've got their design element down. Uh, service was friendly for the most part. Um, yeah, the service is a little bit of a work in
1: progress, <laughs> but they're brand new and it was Sunday night. So we're not going to hold that against them. They
2: get a break. Much. They had a pretty decent amount of parking, which was nice too.
1: Yeah, especially for Midtown uh, and especially compared to... Some of the competition, they have way more parking and no valet, which I think is, which I always appreciate.
2: Nobody wants valet for a beer garden or or a pub, anything like that. And they're super close to Woosters, so if you want that specialty cocktail, you can literally walk over.
1: Yeah, and I think that's kind of the idea, is that they will have a symbiotic relationship in the same way that uh, Heights Beer Garden has Wooster's Annex, um, also on the same property. These are two concepts that are half a block from each other if you want cocktails and and a kind of more refined experience woosters if you want you know the big patio and beer and wine uh holman draft house and then i don't want to linger on this too much because i think most people will be familiar with it but mary i i I treated you to your first (laughs) snooze experience uh during their soft opening for their heights location that opened last week
2: yes you did
1: I, I mean I'm on the record i'm I'm a snooze fan. I like sweet breakfast in general. Uh, I like the look of the place. I like how enthusiastic their service is. Um, I don't like the weight, but i so I don't go very often but uh what did you think of snooze?
2: okay, so I thought that the Bloody Mary I had it was one of the specialty ones. It was very good. Uh, the blueberry pancakes that I had were cooked perfectly. They had a nice um, flavor to them and I think I did an egg and sausage kind of breakfast dish uh, that was done really well. Uh, I went to La Peep a few weeks ago. This was for me, if I'm gonna compare like two breakfast places that I had wanted to try, this was significantly better than La Peep. Um, The cinnamon roll and pancakes were a mess at La Peep for me, but I digress. Uh, I like snooze. I think it's great if you can hit it early in the morning or towards the end of the day. When it's peak rush and it's an hour wait, I'm kind of out at that point. But I think maybe it'll level out a little bit. You know, they need a few weeks to, I don't know. You're more of an expert with snooze when it comes to that. I just, I'm not going to do an hour wait. Well,
1: sure. No. I mean, I drove past the Heights location uh, on Saturday, call it 11, 30, 12, even with the uh, somewhat rainy weather, uh, their parking lot was full. A parking lot across the street that used to be <laughs> Hunky Dory's was oh my fall. God. Uh street parking on 18th street was, was pretty parked in, you know, and, and again, this is the first weekend that they're open to the public. So of course it's going to be crazy. Uh, but the Montrose location runs a pretty consistent wait, even during the week. So I, that's just part of it. And I can't tell you whether or not it's worth it to wait an hour or more to have breakfast uh, kind of depends on a person's individual schedule. Uh, I typically won't, uh, for me, it's, it's a weekday. It's either a weekday treat or like I roll out of bed at, you know, six thirty or seven o'clock on a Sunday and go, I can have snooze right now. Like if I, if I can get my, <laughs> if I can get my shit together and, and get out of the house, then I can, I can treat myself to snooze. Um, but otherwise the weekends are, I mean, they, they manage that line pretty well and they keep it moving, but you know, a two hour wait, uh, that's a hard note.
2: That's a super hard note for me. All
1: right. That does it for our restaurants of the week. Uh, Mary, before you get out of here, why don't you tell us a little bit about Valentine's Day at La Olivia? Oh,
2: my goodness. Um, Probably our busiest day of the year, so keep that in mind. But uh, we're going to do four courses uh, for Valentine's. Uh, Chateaubriand is going to be the highlight of it. Uh, It's $85 a person. And the Saturday before Valentine's Day, Olivier has started a cooking series, cooking class series from one to three. So he has about 10 spots open for the Saturday before if you want to do uh, custom cooking classes with Chef Olivier. It's 65 bucks a person, and uh, it's been a hit with people so far. So that's a nice alternative from the madness of actual Valentine's Day.
1: All right, and give us the phone number so people can make reservations.
2: 713-360-6313.
1: Mary Clarkson, thank you very much. You're welcome. And I will be right back with Benji Levitt and Dylan Murray.
0: You're listening to What's Eric Eating?
1: I'm joined now by uh dylan murray the chef partner uh for local foods the very popular rapidly growing sandwich restaurant here in houston dylan hi how are you hi greetings and your business partner uh benji levitt hello hello benji thanks for being here uh so dylan you were just saying that the heights location uh it's coming of local foods is coming to heights until two weeks Indeed,
3: two weeks. Uh, Harvey set us back a bit, but we're back on track
1: and looking forward to it. So each local foods kind of has its own thing that makes it special. right? You have a, a seafood program downtown. You have the rotisserie oven um, at Kirby. What, what will that be in the Heights?
3: So that is going to be this lovely Jasper Grill, which we actually had one at Benji's Washington, and all the chefs and cooks were just taken with it um it's just a magnificent piece of cooking equipment so we decided we're gonna we're gonna bring one of those over to the heights as well
1: i think that's the same kind of wood-fired oven that cultivaria uses is that
3: it is we so. they opened years before us but we thought of it first <laughs>
1: <laughs> um benji let me ask you how did you decide the heights was the right place for the next local foods well um
0: heights mercantile for us goes back um really a couple of years, um, the architect that, uh, that I use from Austin, Michael shoe, um, was contacted, uh, by Steve Rodome that, that, uh, owns the land where Heights mercantile is, uh, to, to design a really unique, uh, mixed use project in the Heights. And I got a call from, from Michael and he said, Hey, we're working on this, this project, um, do you have any interest in it? He needs a few uh, tenants before he can get off the ground, and so I think we were, if not the first, uh, maybe the second tenant to to sign up for for Heights Mercantile. Um, so I guess I, initially I was drawn to just the fabulous design um, and the fact that Steve is really trying to do something uh, unique for Houston, and um, and then of course Heights two years ago and still today is a just a booming neighborhood with lots of young people that I think really is, is our sweet spot for local foods.
1: I mean, I think you have to be encouraged by the way the neighborhood has responded Heights, Mercantile. I feel like every time I drive past it, it's just super crowded.
0: For sure. You know, initially there was some concern about, about parking and, and how it would, um, affect the neighborhood. And Steve, went out and and bought some additional land so that uh, that the neighbors would be we happy with the parking situation. but um I mean what I've seen so far is people riding bicycles, people stopping uh, while they're on the jogging path, people taking a stroll with their with their family and yeah, so I'm super excited to be there. Um, you know I've had numerous crepes and ice cream while I'm checking on the progress, and we're excited about our neighbors
1: yeah Dylan you know I think local foods is so it's so unusual in Houston we don't we're not a city that eats a lot of sandwiches um, right you we can't don't say we, that anymore we don't right well well right <laughs> I think local foods has changed that and so what is it about this concept do you think that has resonated with people I think that uh, well
3: we hope the quality is very high, but mostly that it's that it's familiar I mean everybody eats sandwiches in this country of some form or another it's uh, it's the kind of food that you can eat regularly meaning we see a lot of our clientele much more than once a month sometimes multiple times a week uh, it's at a sweet price point that makes it accessible to to many types of folks um, it travels reasonably well uh, certainly better than your typical hot entree i think so you can pack it up for a, a party or a picnic later um anything to add benji
0: no i mean i i think i mean I, the banh mi certainly was was a sandwich that that uh, we knew we needed to contend with in houston i mean that Given the the price point of of banh mis around town, and so um, we were encouraged. In addition to doing things that are familiar with sandwiches, I mean, we thought that we could also step outside the box with sandwiches and and do things that um, you couldn't find at a Quiznos or or a Subway.
1: Right. I mean, because they're not just deli sandwiches. It's not just you know turkey and Swiss on. Rye bread with lettuce and tomato. I mean, the combinations are a little more sophisticated, and obviously, that's been a key component for y'all. I think what I think is interesting is that it hasn't really changed very much, right? I mean, the how is the menu? How would you say the menus evolved over the years?
3: Well, I think what we found was we we did a lot of research beforehand, and so our opening menu had a lot of thought behind it, and uh, a good amount of it became sought after a popular fairly quickly and so when we did consider changing some of these things we got a lot of pushback so i i guess meaning a lot of the menu became sort of standards that that people sort of demanded and you know you you listen to your customers so we've kept probably 80 percent of it roughly the same the way that it's mostly evolved is with the the dinner offerings i would say um depending on the store you can get any number of of sort of hot blue plate type stuff, uh, hot bowl entrees, you know, sort of a maybe a minestrone with a protein. Um, the dessert program is, is expanded. Uh, I think our, our drinks, both alcoholic and non, are, are larger than it was. Um, and then the sides rotate seasonally, but it, again, even the sides have become sort of, certain ones have become expected.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know... I know I see you at the farmer's market pretty regularly. Um, How, how local is, how local are the ingredients being used at local foods? I think they're
3: about as local as is reasonable in Houston. I mean, as you well know, being at the market, you can't, there are months in this town where it's hard to find much besides okra and uh, eggplant, eggplant. Thank you. Why eggplant? Anyway. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so basically, we, we take what the farmers have to offer, and we, we try and buy a lot of that when it's in season. Right now, the, the local greens are sort of at their peak, so we're buying more of those than ever. Um, but we, we sort of do the best we can. Sometimes things happen. A hard freeze will change our ordering, uh, but they, as soon as they get back online, we, we re-up and start, start buying again.
1: Benji, do you have a, do you have like a favorite sandwich on the, the local menu? Is there, is there one that stands out for you?
0: Um, for me, it's the the smoked salmon sandwich. Um, it starts with uh, a house cured and house smoked salmon, which is delicious. I mean, that's it's a product that we've um, been serving at Benji's since the beginning, so for twenty one years. Um, it's on a bagel, which uh, next to golden bagels is is uh, my favorite bagel in town. It's from uh, New York bagels. Dylan makes a a delicious spread, and we've got a little bit of uh, pickled onions and uh, arugula, and uh, it's just, it's satisfying, and it reminds me of growing up, Um, and so that'd be my favorite sandwich.
1: Dylan, uh, Dylan, what's your favorite sandwich on that menu?
3: It's probably the seafood because of the simplicity of it. Um, they're lovely gulf shrimp from our friend Freaksos. Um, housemade ciabatta, or not house excuse me, from slow bread, the, the ciabatta, and a green goddess dressing, a little bit of pickled onion, a little bit of shredded lettuce and tomato. So it kind of has those po' boy uh, components going on, and it's very lightly adorned, a little bit of olive oil and salt and pepper on the seafood itself is it, and... I don't know. That's the one I keep coming back to.
1: Was there, was there ever a sandwich you tried and, and put on the menu that just didn't work? <laughs> we don't like to talk about those.
3: <laughs> um, oh gosh, I can't, I can't think of a major bomb. I mean, we've certainly had some things that don't sell as well. Um, one thing I've found that is a trickier sort of ca- the trickiest category to sell is actually red meat sandwiches for us.
1: Yeah, I don't really think of y'all as having like a roast beef for steak sandwich or any of that kind of stuff. Well,
3: typically we'll have one right,
1: right. now at most of the locations.
3: We have a roast beef. Uh, we did a short rib back in the day, but for whatever reason, we've had better luck with with pork and seafood and uh, every every other category. Vegetarian. Vegetarian, certainly. Right.
1: Yeah. No. It. I mean, it really is like one of the most vegetarian friendly concepts. Um, because you have the salads, you can make a meal of the sides even. And I think people, I think that really resonates with people.
3: And, uh, especially trying to take sort of almost comfort food and making that vegetarian or vegan. Um, in particular at our Kirby store, we're featuring just weekly, a a great rotation of whether it's a vegan queso or chef dusty Sagasser makes this vegan chicken and dumplings that I think is a lot of fun. So it's almost, uh, elevated food truck, food done vegan style, and people really are digging all that.
1: So I do have a couple other topics I I want to discuss with you. Um, You recently made the decision to close uh, the Benji's location on Washington uh, and replace it with a new concept called the classic. Um, Let's kind of start with the beginning of that. Benji, why did you decide the time had come to close the Washington location? Um, Well...
0: It's been approximately 10 years, um, which I think is often the life cycle of a restaurant. Um, but in this case, it actually wasn't so much that the concept had come to an end as much as the physical building uh, needed considerable work. Um, while it was a building that we uh, had built from the ground up, um, this past year, we had uh, a fire that uh burned up a considerable part of of the roof and equipment on the roof and then followed by Harvey, which actually led the restaurant to being flooded um, and so i was I was kind of deciding uh to remodel for a few weeks in in January anyway and then the last six months of 2017 um, made the remodeling considerably more. Um, and I thought, well, maybe it's a good time if uh, we're going to spend, spend the time and effort to, to put things back together to, to slightly change it a little bit. So um, I still think Benji's is, is, is a fabulous concept. And, and in the village, we're, like I said, in, in our 21st year, um, but on Washington, I just wanted to take the opportunity to to try something new. I felt like we um, we have a fabulous staff that uh, can do lots of things. And I and I want to try to tap into their uh, their personalities and their abilities a little bit more.
1: And then, Dylan, are you involved in the the menu development for the classic?
3: I'm. Fairly peripheral on this one. We've got Chef Mike Potasky, Chef Maria Gonzalez, sort of heading up the menu on that okay. project. I'll be I'll be around for pointers, but uh, they're they're both fantastic chefs, so we're we're gonna let them focus on that.
1: So so Benji, let me ask you, kind of what what can diners expect from the classic, and and like what kind of because if I hear diners, I'm thinking you know pancakes, right. egg dishes in the morning, right. Burgers at lunch, maybe, maybe even like pot roast and roast turkey and things like that at dinner.
0: Right. So we are going to be putting a, a modern spin on the neighborhood diner. Um, we, we, th- we feel or I feel super strong about the, the neighborhood that, that we're in. Um, it's filled with lots of young families, um, people that, that go out to eat a lot. Um, and what we're trying to do is to create um, a gathering spot for the neighborhood. So that was that was kind of the the first thought with uh, the location. Now, as far as diner goes, um, it's in the sense that we're going to have a considerable amount of counter service. We're going to have, I think, it's thirty five seats um, that wrap the kitchen and um, and. People will be able to see us preparing the food, which I think is going to be fun and exciting. And then it's going to have primarily booth seating, so I think those are two big features of of a typical diner. Um, now, the menu will be what we're calling a, an all day menu, so we're actually going to be serving the same menu throughout the day. Um, so we're gonna it will be a mix of breakfast items, sandwiches, as well as hot entrees that will be available seven days a week, starting not quite breakfast, starting around 10 a.m. and, and going
1: till about 11 p.m. Well, yeah, I was just, I was just going to ask you because, you know, that other uh, diner aspect. And certainly if you think about a place like, you know, House of Pies or even Dot, you know, right. that that late night, you know, waffle, cup of coffee, right. Uh, um, Washington Avenue has such a, a hot nightlife segment, especially right. at, at the western end, but, but no uh, no open till 2 in the morning. Uh,
0: late no, nightlife. no. So, I mean, we, we are calling it an all-day menu, but uh, not all day and all night.
1: How do you feel about this? Um, I mean, because that, that kind of concept seems to be kind of waning, but I, I always, I mean, when I go to diners, I feel like they're always really busy. So what is it about the, the format of the diner that, that made you want to put your spin on it? Um, well, I think one
0: of my favorite restaurants in town, and, and I am somewhat embarrassed to say this, but, uh, but it's true, is, is I like to go to Houston's. And, and I think Houston's um, provides a menu that's got a, a wide range of... of of food and a wide range of price ranges. And it's, uh, I think there's something that feels comfortable. Um, and I think their spin on it is a, a large bar um, with almost exclusively booth seating with an open kitchen. And so I, I think there's something about the feel when you're inside Houston's or the feel when you're inside a diner that feels it feels comfortable. And I think that's
1: what we're going for. Uh, you, you know, you, you describe, um, maybe even feeling slightly ashamed of, of your affection for Houston's, but, but I found that so many people in the food world really enjoy it. Uh, I count myself as a fan. It's, it's maybe like 15% more expensive than you want it to be. For sure. But it's incredibly consistent. Mm hmm. um, it's very accessible and it has that kind of, there's always something for everybody. I mean, you can go there with even six or seven people and, and everybody's going to have something, whether it's a steak or a salad or a burger, it's just, it's very familiar. So, you know, I, I think, you know, sometimes restaurants can get uh, very specialized and, and I certainly enjoy, you know, I certainly enjoy eating at restaurants that are the product of a chef's like very artistic vision, uh, but sometimes I right. just I just want like chicken fingers and French fries, right? And and Houston <laughs> does that very well. Um, Dylan, let me ask you, kind of what's next for local? I mean, this is going to be um, five locations for you guys,
3: right? Good question. Uh, I think it's undecided, to be honest. I wish I had more more exciting news, but we've certainly looked at other areas in in the state but we haven't committed to anything and i think five is a is a good number for houston i think benji agrees um we'll just have to see well hopefully the the heights will receive us well and that will allow us to continue to to think about expanding
1: yeah i mean i i certainly have uh a family in dallas for example and when they they come to visit local is definitely a stop i mean i feel like it uh i feel I feel like it could work there. I feel like it could work in Austin, you know. Sure. There. And we st- both
3: Benji and I went to UT, so we have a lot of uh, a lot of ties there. So that would be a fun excuse
1: to to go up there a lot. Um, Benji, what about how about the classic? I mean, is this like a one-off, or, or are you sort of hoping that it it catches on and, and that you could maybe do more than one of them?
0: Um, initially, the, the thought certainly is. For it just to be a a one-off as a project to to take on, you know, like Dylan's saying, as we digest um, the fifth local foods and as we try to figure out um, what's next. Um, So there certainly aren't plans to expand the classic beyond Washington Avenue at this point.
1: Dylan, I, I did want to ask you kind of one other sort of macro question. Sure. Um, you have a local foods downtown kind of right in the middle of that, that bar scene, uh, Mary and I were talking earlier about some of the food halls that are coming downtown. Mm -hmm. Um, What's your sense of kind of where downtown Houston is right now as a, as a dining market. And, and are you happy with the way local foods fits into that?
3: I'm really excited that we're down there. I, I chefed a restaurant down there in 2000, 2001. And the difference between now and then with downtown is stark. I, the amount of people living down there has probably grown fourfold since then. Um, now, you know, obviously in full disclosure, there's certain things about downtown that, that can make it difficult. Uh, one thing you always have to contend with as a downtown restaurant are the tunnels. And so when the weather is not cooperating, people understandably tend to stay down there. Um, so it presents certain challenges that other parts of town don't. Uh, one thing that we have always thought with downtown is that catering would be an important part of what we do down there. That way we we come to them. And obviously all the office buildings and corporations down there, that that's a a need that isn't fully met. And we are, we are already doing some good catering and hope to do more as it progresses. Um, I think Harvey didn't do downtown any favors either with the alley gone and whatnot. So that's that's probably lost a little bit of business for, for the restaurants down there, but it'll, it'll bounce back.
1: Um, and Benji, obviously you've been a, a restaurateur for over 20 years now. What do you, what do you see in the next couple of years? I mean, are you encouraged? You know, we've seen some really high profile closings over the past six months to a year. Uh, a lot of out of town opportunity, restaurateurs still coming here. Um, are you optimistic about the future for Houston restaurants or do you think we're going to still see, uh, maybe some places taking another step back?
0: Well, I think 2018, I mean, his, for us started off phenomenally well. I mean, I think that there's a renewed optimism in the city that, that I think is a positive thing from, from, from Harvey. Um, and I think certainly what's going on in the heights is is very exciting with just numerous restaurants that that are doing things that are unique and, and creative. Um, and and as you brought up downtown as well. I mean that's to get a real downtown restaurant scene I think would qualify us as, you know, a truly world class city. And so I, I think I think it it may take more than a couple of years downtown to to do that, but I think we're certainly uh, in the right direction. So I'm encouraged by the heights and by by downtown, and I think um, you know there's a lot a lot of creative chefs in town. And and you know years ago people used chefs used to become successful and then leave Houston permanently, and so I, I think. Now the successful chefs that, that start here stay here. So And that's exciting.
1: All right, gentlemen, we have, uh, you, you have answered all of my questions. Uh, we have reached the point in the interview that I like to call the lightning round. Uh, five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Ready. All right. Benji, what is your favorite ingredient? Anchovies. Dylan? Celery. Dylan, what's the first band you ever saw in concert?
3: Flock of Seagulls and the Go-Go's.
0: Benji. The Police with Joe King Carrasco.
1: That's cooler. Yeah, way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Benji, what is your fast food guilty pleasure that comes from a drive-thru? Uh,
0: a Whataburger on Texas toast.
1: Dylan. Jack in the Box tacos. <laughs> uh, Benji, who's your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present?
0: Earl Campbell. Dylan. I hate sports.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just Um, kidding.
3: I actually used to live next door to Earl Campbell's brother, so I I would say Earl Campbell as well.
1: I think that might be, is that our, Michael, is that our first Earl Campbell? I feel like that's our first Earl Campbell. Yeah. All right. And finally, Dylan, where's your favorite place to get a taco? Besides Jack in the Box? Yes.
3: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Laredo del Sol, which is down in my neighborhood by Hobby Airport. That's a good place. And Benji.
1: Laredo's. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. Um, Thank you, Eric. Cheers. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, And, of course, you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Esandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I will be back next week with Mike Raymond from Missouri.